Welcome to The One, the podcast for dating from your most vibrant and authentic self. My name is Gina Catherine, and I am a confidence coach for love and sex. We know that we need to love ourselves, but nobody explains to us how to actually do this. This podcast has advice and practices on how to do just that. My mission is to help women deeply connect to their bodies, hearts, and minds. When we know, accept, and love ourselves, we draw in amazing partners and incredible experiences. I offer these words from the perspective of a usually straight, cisgendered, divorced, middle-aged white woman. It is my heartfelt hope, though, that there are nuggets for anyone to use in their sex, love, and relationships. In this podcast, I will invite you to let go of the piece of you that hopes for love but is skeptical and ask you to believe and take action in dating from a place of deep self-worth. The one exists and they are you. With that, let's dive deep into this week's episode of The One. The components for any good relationship are love, safety, and belonging. The components of orgasm are pleasure, surrender, and expansion. And the components for successful dating are interest, self-awareness, and openness. Assuming all of these are true to some degree and that they are the gas pedal, you will have little long-term happiness in sex, love, and relationships unless you dig out your inherent distrust of the opposite sex. I'm speaking to those of you who are heteronormative and looking to grow a romance or strengthen a romantic bond. Your break may be on and you don't even know it. Unless you've done a lot of inner work to unwind the idea that people with penises are unsafe, you are trying to find love while a part of you is against this idea and trying to keep you safe. Here's how we are all conditioned to dismiss, degrade, and dislike people with different body parts. We're trying to fall in love with you, but there is this fear and and disrespect that's just pervasive. So the first thing is we use sexual organs as insults. What a pussy. This is never meant as a compliment, but it should be. To call someone a pussy is saying that they lack courage or are weak or worthless. I cannot think of a less appropriate slur. Pussy is sublime, of the goddess, divine. If you think I'm overstating it, I wonder why. Another is, he's such a dick. This is never good. Also, prick, cock, pecker, weenie, and my favorite, what a knob. All of these mean something either on the spectrum of foolish at best or terribly mean at worst. Is the penis not also divine? Is it not a phallic gift? Cunt is a very British slang insult and one that does not really hold the kind of atomic bomb shock that it holds here in the U.S. The Brits say, Hey, he didn't bring the ketchup, that cunt. The Americans reserve it as a point of no return swear. Don't be such a cunt. This can only be met with an icy silence right before someone's clothes and personal belongings start getting flung out a window. I want to say something now to people who have always moved in the world as straight men. Please know that people who walk in the world as female are taught to be afraid of you. From a very early age, we understand that men are a threat to us. Very young girls get catcalled. The 
first time that most of us heard something sexually aggressive toward us is around age eight. This is when most of us go from picture books to chapter books. And I use the word sexually aggressive on purpose here because there is not another way to explain what it feels like to be eight years old and sexualized. And I will give you two tenths of a second to guess what an eight-year-old's mind does when faced with something so confusing. She takes on the shame and responsibility of it. She's in her third year of school when she begins to navigate this. The first time we are in danger is when we are 12 or 14 or 18 and someone a lot bigger sits too close to us on a bus, follows us home, is in the bathroom after we get out of the stall, won't stop touching us in a movie theater, a swimming pool, puts their hands up our skirt on the dance floor. I'm pretty low on the fear scale, but I've spent a lifetime looking in the backseat of my car before I get in. I turn the music off when I run in the woods or a park. I walk through parking lots with the keys between my knuckles. I've tucked my hair away in my hat in neighborhoods I do not know and in neighborhoods that I do know. I have avoided eye contact for fear of engagement. I've gotten away from men who were disturbed or drunk or clueless and I learned to walk differently to avoid them. Quoting from one of my very favorite short stories by Ted Chang, the universe is so vast that intelligent life must surely have arisen many times. The universe is also so old that even one technological species would have had time to expand and fill the galaxy. Yet there is no sign of life anywhere except on Earth, and humans call this the Fermi Paradox. One proposed solution to the Fermi Paradox is that intelligent species actively try to conceal their presence to avoid being targeted by hostile invaders. This is completely unrelated to this topic, but when I read this as a feminist and a person who makes her living coaching people with vulvas to see and feel their greatness, I could not help but make a connection. The Fermi Paradox is also known as the Great Silence. Women learn and actively decide to keep their mouth shut, to keep their body language small, to stay safe. 40% of women in the U.S. have been a victim of sexual violence, and believe me, the other 60% are under the heavy weight of this very true and horrifyingly high percentage. None of us are free. One in six women in the United States has been a victim of rape or attempted rape. Men and boys get raped too, but please please know that 9 out of every 10 victims of rape are people with vulvas. This statistic is from the RAIN Institute. I've taken self-defense courses, rape awareness trainings. When I was in my 20s, I watched movies about people getting murdered, and I never once worried about anybody murdering me, but I worried about getting raped. This is not unusual. So many people with vulvas are empowered with loud voices, but still freeze or fawn when they they're confronted with these unwanted sexual advances. Lucky ones had two parents who encouraged a loud voice and empowered speech. But even those five girls grew up in a world where we were taught that smiling is attractive. We were taught to not make men angry and to not say no without a really good reason. Why must we say we have a boyfriend or an extreme virus to get a man to leave off? Why can't we just say, no thanks, good luck? Okay, so there's all of that, all of the stuff we absorb from society. So what do some of us unconsciously do? We choose men who are very mild and low energy 
so that our nervous systems don't freak us out, so that we can feel safe. And then we wonder why we're unhappy and we have to make all of the decisions and lead and be the creative ones and the planners in every relationship just to feel safe. And men who don't have a strong sense of self and who are not confident or good decision makers can be as difficult to feel safe with as the wolves. And so we have this mutual disrespect and we have this learned idea that men are wolves and we have a society telling us to be safe and to not make anyone angry. And we have this idea out there that there's a prince who is truly good and will reveal themselves, but our ability to see and choose them is so clouded that we end up being surprised and blindsided by our seemingly bad choices. So how do we get out from under this. The first thing is to know that this situation is true and a part of all of our lives. And the second is to stop putting all of your energy into running every single person through this screening system and safety test. Instead, we need to make ourselves an expert on safety, belonging, respect, and empowerment. If you are listening to this and you think you love men and this has never been a problem for you, I will share with you that I felt the same. I deeply understood that I loved men. I thought the men in my life were sweet and funny and solid. And then I was in a group where we did this practice on ancestral healing. And we did some really deep breathing first to get out of our heads. And the instruction was to offer first forgiveness and then gratitude toward your mother, her mother, your great grandmother, and all of the female ancestors of all time, all the way back. And then we did the same with the male lineage. When it was time to offer the men in my life first forgiveness and then gratitude, I heard my own voice say in my head, they don't deserve it. I remember I gasped. I didn't even know that I had that thought in me. I thought, where did that come from? At that point in my life, I was done sweeping stuff under the rug and I set off to find out. And I discovered I had some very old stories of agreements that were running in my unconscious. I asked myself and I wrote a lot about what did I learn from my mother, both spoken and unspoken about men, about sex, about love, about relationships. What did I learn, both spoken and unspoken from my father, from my husband, from society, from partners, from the media. And then I looked at all of these agreements, both spoken and unspoken, and I broke the ones that no longer worked in my empowered and joyful life. And I wrote new ones to fit this life. I asked friends and my mother to witness these new agreements. You can also ask yourself out loud, how would you be, how would you show up in the world without the great silence, without this implied threat? Would you dress differently and buy clothes that suit your every mood? Would you smile more? Would you smile all the time at everyone, knowing that misunderstandings of that smile being a come on are not your responsibility? Would you tell people no loudly and without apology if you knew nothing bad would happen to you? Ask yourself what your relationship with your masculine and your feminine energies are. Your masculine and feminine energies are not tied to gender and please do not buy into 
into this trendy teaching that your masculine is bad and that you need to be stepping into your feminine as a way to fulfilled relationships. That's fucking bullshit. The notion just teaches us to hate the masculine even more. Playing with the masculine and feminine energy in yourself is something that we do a lot in both my group coaching and my one-on-one programs. And it is so cool to see people step fully back into themselves. When we stop vilifying the masculine energy in ourselves and we stop suppressing the feminine energy, then we stop vilifying both of those in others. We see the masculine and feminine energies as the life force that they are. Another concept that works to heal some of this toxic dynamic is thinking about sex and pleasure differently. In our modern world, we still think of female orgasm like something that the man gives to the woman. People with vulvas are responsible for their own pleasure. And as soon as you take full and honest responsibility for your sexual self, your intimacy level soars to new heights. When you source pleasure and safety from yourself, you're limitless. How can we truly get together when there is a system that puts us at odds with one another? I'm talking about the patriarchy. When we have personal trauma, cultural trauma, generational and ancestral trauma that is encouraged by this patriarchal system, how do we get together? Just like anything, if we choose not to look at it, if we deny it, it doesn't go away. It just rules your unconscious. So the move is to become conscious of all of that toxic stuff, and then you step into what you really want. You practice feeling love, safety, and belonging in yourself, and you practice pleasure, surrender, and expansion in everything you do every day. You grow more interesting, you grow more self-aware and more open in every activity and in every investment in your time. There will still be dangerous people with penises, but with all of these skills and qualities and feelings in you, pulsing and loud, your discernment gets really, really good. And then your confidence and your self-esteem increases, which grows your intuition, which maximizes your confidence and your power, which allows you to rest easy within your own body. It's such an upward spiral out of this battle, and I wish it for you. Heartfelt thank you for listening. I am honored every time you choose the one. Loving yourself does not require perfection. Big, juicy love requires us to get curious, to offer ourselves what we are searching for in others, and know that from this place of love, and power you magnetize amazing connections please do all the actions to keep the one podcast rolling share with others who may need to hear this episode like download sleep with me under your pillow click on the link in the show notes to subscribe to my monthly newsletter and then listen every monday and thursday to get ever closer to the love that you so deeply deserve You can also follow me on Instagram where I have tons of fun content to inspire you to be the one. You are loved by me.